going to be in Jeremiah 29. I'm going to pause from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, this morning with our outreach uh, last night. Uh, felt the Lord leading me to share from Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll be looking at the first uh, 14 verses. Had opportunity to uh, take a week off, uh, which was needed for me. I didn't realize how much it was uh, needed. And we went up to the mountains for a few days uh, as a family and really felt uh, reset and refreshed. Amber and I celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary, so we're excited about that. So, so thankful for her and more thankful for her each, each and every day. But what I'm going to share with you this morning out of Jeremiah chapter 29 is what the Lord was speaking to me uh, through my devotions. As I was uh, spending time in the Word, this section of Scripture uh, really stood out uh, to me. It's a section where the children of Israel are sent into captivity for 70 years uh, because of their disobedience to God. They really have forgotten the Lord, gone to idolatry, There's a group that's already been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, and this is their instructions on how to be able to thrive in captivity. And what struck me is, in some ways, the coronavirus feels like a little bit of captivity, doesn't it? There's different parts of our lives that have been changed and have been altered. Some of you are working from home, and you might feel like, man, I feel like a captive in my own home. It started off to be a blessing, but now you're feeling pretty isolated. Elementary students, middle school students, you know, some of you are doing school online, and it's like, man, this is totally different. I'm used to going to school, but now I'm doing school online. And you go through all of these different areas of our lives that have been altered. And God's message to the children of Israel in captivity is that they would thrive, that they would thrive in captivity that he wanted them to build houses, that he wanted them to plant vineyards, that he wanted them to continue to invest in marriage, to to have children, to not allow the discouragement to overwhelm them to the point where they didn't continue to move forward in the things that God had for them. So I'm praying that this section of scripture is really timely for us as we look at the challenges that are, are facing. So let's pray. Let's just welcome in the Holy Spirit to our time together. Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are in control. That none of these things are outside of your hands. We do pray that we would be reestablished in the truth that you have a future and a hope for us. That though we don't see it, that though we don't fully understand it, that you are doing a work and you're doing a great work. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this time. And ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So join me in verse 1 of Jeremiah 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive. To the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Try to imagine what that would be like to be taken captive. To have the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, come into Jerusalem, come into Judah, southern Israel, and take you captive. No doubt to probably be separated from your family, to to be tortured. Maybe your family unit has stayed intact. 
And this affects everyone. We see it affects the elders, it affects the priests, it affects the prophets. Every walk of life, Jerusalem is is conquered, and now you're living in a strange land. I don't know about you, but it's hard to think about really living in another country. It's exciting to visit another country, but to learn a new language to learn a new culture, to try to get used to different food. And as captives, they would always be uh, the outsiders. So God is speaking to this group of people. He's speaking to those who are in captivity. The reason that they're in captivity is because of their spiritual rebellion against God, because they have forgotten the Lord. But God is committed to restoring them and rebuilding them God's discipline is restorative in nature. It's, it's building them up. So verse 2, this happened after Jehoiakim, the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elsa, the son of Zavath, Jeremiah, the son of Hilkah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying. So the messenger gets a shout out, gets a credit here for carrying this letter. Now we actually get into the letter in verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I've caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. As we go through this section of scripture, I wanna pull out some things that I think we can apply to our lives in our current situation and our current struggles. So here's the first. The first is we need to remember that God's in control. Remember that God is in control. As we see this, it's very clear that God used Nebuchadnezzar to carry the children of Israel into bondage. Nebuchadnezzar was the instrument in which God used to bring correction upon Judah. Babylon's pagan. Nebuchadnezzar's pagan. Doesn't have a heart for God. The book of Daniel fits in with the book of Jeremiah. Daniel is serving under Nebuchadnezzar. And God humbles Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's walking through his palace, his garden, and is filled with pride. God humbles him in his pride and he becomes like a beast of the field until he humbles his heart before the Lord. So there's no doubt that God is in control of this uh, situation. We know this, but COVID virus is affecting the world. From my vantage point in my lifetime, I have not experienced something that has infected the whole entire world. There's been a lot of things that have impacted a large portion of the world, but, but this is impacting every country in the world. A lot of third world countries People aren't able to go to work. And because they're not able to go to work, they're not able to get food. And it's crushing them in an intense way. Many of our missionaries that we're talking to are are spending a lot of time and energy and effort feeding people because it's crushing them to such a large degree. Uh, Sometimes as we walk through this in our own country, we forget we're not the only country that's walking, walking through this. So it's affecting people throughout, throughout the world. And we know from Scripture, God's doing something, don't we? We know that the Lord is up to something in, in the midst of, of all of this. In Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us that God shakes things. He's the God that will, will shake things to show what is unshakable, and that is his kingdom. 
You think about an earthquake and it shakes and reveals what was built upon a solid foundation. I believe that that is one of the things that God is doing in our hearts as believers as we go through this challenge of COVID is that he is shaking us so that we're reminded what is unshakable. What are the things that COVID has not been able to touch? Your relationship with the Lord, eternal life, the truth of scripture, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When things are going well in our lives and there's no adversity and there's no no challenge, it's easy to think that things that are temporary are actually permanent. No, those are temporary. Finances are are temporary. Even this world is temporary. (laughs) Imagine God wrapping this whole thing up and the Bible tells us that, that the earth is going to be melted away in fervent heat and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Could this be what God is doing in the midst of people's lives that don't know the Lord as they're, they're getting shaken and there's uncertainty that they start to look to Christ and turn to Christ and realize there has to be more to, to this life. But I got to admit to you, ultimately, I don't know what God's up to. <laughs> but I do know that he is in control. I do know that he has a plan. I do know that this is not outside of of his hand. And that's the first message to those that are in captivity. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar's not in control. God is in control. God is the one who raises up one leader and sets aside another. Ultimately, that is his, his doing. So for us, in order for us to be able to thrive in captivity, if you would, for those that are receiving this letter, for them to thrive in captivity, it's to trust the Lord. Trust him. We know this intellectually that, that God is in control, but to, to trust him. So Lord, I, I trust you. I realize that you are in control and you're up to things that I may not see and I may not know. There are not a lot of opportunities in our lives to walk by faith. And this is one of these opportunities that we get to walk by faith. We get to express our faith to the Lord of, of God, I trust you. I'm going to choose to walk by faith. For all honest, it's a process. And some days are easier than others. Some days it's more difficult. But to choose to say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you with, with all of my heart. The next encouragement that we see is verse 5. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that you may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. So second lesson is build, plant, eat, marry, increase, right? What's the message of verse five and six? Don't give up. Don't stop living. Don't stop moving forward in your life. But you, as you're in captivity, you need to build a house. As you're in captivity, you're going to be there 70 years. You need to plant a garden. As you're there, you need to make sure that you're fostering marriage, that you're encouraging your sons and your daughters to be able to be married. I am sure for those that are in captivity, there was a huge temptation and tendency to think, man, my life is over. Only the young children would ever go back to Jerusalem. 
maybe if you're five years old, at the end of this, you're 75 years old, you get to go back to, to Jerusalem. If you're a really lucky 10-year-old and you live to 80, you get to go back to Jerusalem. But for the mass majority, they are never going back to Jerusalem. They're going to spend the rest of their lives in captivity working for their captors. And it would be very easy to throw up their hands in discouragement and say, what's the point? What's the point? I'm just going to give up. And that is really testing us at, at this point with the challenges of, of COVID virus. There's times where we face discouragement. You know, there, there's times that we get complacent. Maybe there's times where there's like, man, I just feel this overwhelming sense of numbness in my heart and in my life. There can be wrestling with fear. And fear can easily come in in different ways, shapes, or, or forms. And the fear may look different for, for different people. But God's heart for us is not that we would be living in division, not that we would be living in hatred, not that we would be living in fear, not that we would be living in complacency, but that we would continue to move forward in the things that God has for us to build, to plant, to foster marriage. Man, I'm so thankful for those in our church that have pressed through this difficult time and gotten married. Um, wedding ceremonies have been very different, right? Had a date set, planned to invite a lot of people during the quarantine, couldn't do that, had to have these small weddings with just a, a few people. But guess what? They did it. Why? Because they're saying, look, we love each other. We're called to be married. We're believers. We're ready to be married. We're going we're gonna to get married. And they move forward in the things that, that God had for them. Daniel is one that would receive this instruction. Daniel is taken captive as a young man. I believe that Daniel knew this well and took it to heart and decided that he was going to respond to adversity as hard as it was in faith and in faithfulness and serve the Lord right where he was at. Don't think it was easy, but God really used him as he did that. And raised him up to be able to be a testimony to all of these different leaders inside of the Babylonian Empire. Here's what I need to hear this morning. This is what really spoke to me so much as, as I was away uh, this week. Is I get the opportunity to choose how I'm going to respond to adversity. I get that opportunity. And I can either get discouraged. I can get numb. I can be, be fearful. I can, I can be angry. Or... I can continue in the things that God has, has called me to do. Continue to attempt to love the Lord. Continue to attempt to love my family. To continue to pastor. What is it that the Lord has, has called you to do? And you get the opportunity to decide how you respond. I am sure that there were some in captivity that did not respond the way that Daniel responded. I'm sure that there were some that just absolutely gave up. What a hard situation to be in. Where do we find the strength to respond in such a way in the midst of adversity? It's the Lord. Because <laughs> it does bring us to a place of our own weakness, doesn't it? Brings us to a place of our own frailty. I want to respond in the right way, but I just don't seem to have the strength. That's true. And in our weakness to rely upon the Lord. God, I need you to strengthen me. 
I am discouraged. I am shrinking back. I, I am allowing the fear to get the best of me. But I know that's not what you want, and that's not what I want. So, so Lord, would you help me? Would you help me? And would you give me your strength and weakness? Would you give me the power of the Holy Spirit? So many times in our relationship with our, the Lord, when we take a step of faith that lines up with his word, then he gives us his power. Okay, Lord, this is where I'm at. Man, my, my kids are home doing online school, not what we'd prefer, but we're gonna make the best of it. And we're gonna step into this. All right, this is bringing some financial challenge, not necessarily what we'd want, Work is kind of crazy. Man, church is different. The church is not normal and what it, what it used to be. And the church is asking this and the church is asking that. And I'm not sure. Okay, Lord, I, help me. I want to respond and I want to choose to build and I want to choose to plant. So what does it mean for us spiritually to build houses and to plant gardens? Well, it means to invest in the kingdom of God. It means to invest in your relationship with the Lord. It means to invest in your family. It means to love and build up believers. Church, this is a time to love one another. Not just our RMC family, but the body of Christ as a whole. To really say, we're in this together as the body of Christ. We're not going to divide. This is the time to remember the mission of Jesus. We looked at it Friday and Saturday night. Jesus ministering to Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, this sinner that no one wanted to spend time with, but Jesus wanted to spend time with them. And Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We do know in the midst of all of this that God wants to save souls. That's one of the reasons that we're here is to be able to invest in, in unbelievers. It's difficult to see those kingdom conversations, those opportunities to be able to share the gospel, but they're out there. So Lord, I want to be a part of the work that you're doing to seek and to save the lost, to invest in the lost, to seek is to pursue the lost. Those are all ways that we can build. That's all ways that, that we could plant. And I, I believe that this is a good encouragement from God's word to us, to Rocky Mountain Calvary, to, to what we need to, to hear in our lives personally but also as a church. Church, this is time for us to build. This is time for us to plant. This is time for, for us not to, to shrink back, but to say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do in, in this time? As yes, you're deconstructing, but we know, God, that you're building and you're constructing for, for, your, for your glory. But be reminded, be reminded, we each get to respond and nobody else can do it for you. You can't do it for me. I can't do it for you. But we get to be able to respond to how we choose to move forward in the midst of adversity, in the midst of the tragedy. And it may not be, it may not be COVID that's really challenging you. 